Welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Jim Hemphill, Features Writer for Craft and Special Projects at IndieWire. My guest today is writer, director, producer, and actor Bill Hader, whose great HBO series Barry is currently in its final season. Hader directed all of the episodes for season four, and it's the most ambitious season yet, both conceptually and in terms of the audacity of the filmmaking. I had a really fun, wide-ranging conversation with Hader about his work on the series at a point when I had seen all but the finale, and it was great to dig into his process, especially since he's so candid about what worked and what didn't. Here's the interview. First of all, I'm just curious, you know, this season with you directing all of the episodes, just from a point of view of like stamina, I'm curious what it was like for you, because I'm thinking there must have been a point in the season where you're in pre-production, production and post-production on different episodes. So how do you, first of all, was that the case? And how did you just kind of keep your mental and physical energy up? <laughs> well, I put on 25 pounds this season. So I think that I didn't do a good job. <laughs> Sugar and caffeine. Uh, yeah, stress eating, I think, was what got me through uh, the season. Yeah, I'm kind of paying for it now on the other end. I'm, yeah, I, you know, we were never in post, really. But, you know, you prep kind of the uh, two episodes, and then you shoot those over, you know, two weeks or so. And so that that tends to be the way it works. So you, And then during that prep time, I'm also usually doing... Uh, another pass at the script and then sometimes those those passes can be big overhauls you know we'll, we we do these um whether it's a location fell through or you know something we were planning isn't going to work so we got to you know switch around for stunts reasons or uh actor availability you know and then a lot of times what we do is we'll we also do these rehearsals with the actors, we just kind of sit at a table and read through the scenes together and kind of talk out what we're feeling. And then during those, things will come up, you know, where I'll say, oh, you know what, maybe we need to focus on, you know, this or that, you know. Um, a good example of that was season three, when uh, the Sally character is talking to her agent after she's been kind of getting dragged online I imagine it sitting down and Sarah Goldberg said, I think when I yell at her, I should stand up and I would just be berating her. And then I thought, well, what if you back up and we get you backing up into darkness? Like she's becoming, she's going, which is kind of a harbinger of where your character is going to go in the next episode when she, she um, kills a guy. So I was like, what if we just have you back up into darkness and then Carl, the DP, gets involved and the production designer goes, okay, you know, everybody then tries to figure out, okay, how are we going to do that? And then that kind of changes how we're going to shoot it and things like that. So that's always happening in prep. And then while we're shooting, so the, the goal is that, and we're doing location scouts, I should say, that's the thing that really kills you, location scouts. Sitting in a van for hours and hours and sitting in LA traffic all day. And then, we, then you do the scouts and then you do the tech scouts with everybody, with the, all the department heads, and you go to all those places again, and I'm taking pictures the whole time, and I'm doing Artemis pictures, and basically with Gavin Kleintop, the first AD, explaining, here's our coverage. You know, we're gonna see this, and we're gonna see this. We're never gonna see over there. We're never gonna see over there. So it's all very, very planned out. 
and then you start shooting it and acting in it. And so by the time you're shooting and acting, there's been just so like tons and tons of work has been put into it. So that's when, you know, I'm drinking a lot of coffee and eating donuts and <laughs> not meditating, which is, would have been helpful or exercising at all. You know, I've done that in past seasons and felt great in this season. I think I, I just, I, that plus COVID restrictions and everything, I just got really overwhelmed. Yeah, you brought up figuring out your coverage ahead of time. And one of the things I really like about this show, and especially this season, is that you don't do the kind of conventional coverage that you see in a lot of TV or a lot of movies. I mean, there's, you know, you don't, you don't cut unless there's a reason to cut. You know, there'll be something even right from the beginning. I'm thinking about, I think it was in the first episode when Barry's on that first phone call with uh, Gene and you shoot him slash you uh, from the back and you never like cut around to see Barry's face, uh, you know, and things like that. And those kinds of choices, are those all things that you are planning ahead of time or do you shoot more coverage and then decide not to use it in the editing room? Sometimes it usually it's all plan ahead of time. Like that scene with me on the phone, we did one version where the camera wasn't pushing in and one version where the camera was was pushing in. So we did one version of that call where it was just a close-up of the back of my head in case the push-in was too long and we needed to pop in. And uh, initially the way that was planned was that you were gonna be on Cousineau the whole time, believe it or not. And then you got in the edit and you're like, I kinda wanna be with Barry right now. Um, and, and so I kinda shot it where you could do it either way, you're with Barry or with Cousineau. But yeah, it's on his, the back of his head because he's hiding. There's this, you know, it just emotionally, it felt right to just be on the back of his head. And, and I think this season was kind of exercising that for me was, and, and Carl, the DP, was me saying, I, I feel like being on the back of his head right here and kind of pushing in kind of feels right, you know, and, and then just doing it and just seeing if it works. And sometimes it's great. And then sometimes I, you know, I did things and it didn't work out and we'd have to figure out. I mean, there's scene, there's certain scenes in the season that are very cut up and completely rearranged because I got in the edit and thought, oh, I had this great idea and it didn't work. <laughs> Just it's, it's too slow or it's not about where I usually fall in trouble is when the shot and the idea of the kind of visual idea gets in front of what the emotion of the scene is, you know? So I'll do a shot that, yeah, hey, this looks great, this is amazing, but uh, you're so caught up in what's happening with the characters, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, you know? So it's usually, I would say everything is, is an act of simplifying stuff. When I write it and then you rehearse it, you're cutting down, you're simplifying, you're honing, you're simplifying. You know, there's a scene with Sally and where, where she's teaching Jean's class and she yells at this uh, student. That initially was way longer, you know, it was much longer. Jean Cousineau's uh, one-man show in episode two where he does the one-man show for the Vanity Fair reporter was much longer. And we just get in the edit and, you know, you, you feel like you've already cut it down, <laughs> you know? So you go, well, I've already cut it to its essence. I don't think you can cut anymore. And then you see them perform it and you go, well, do we need that? I guess we don't need that. You know, <laughs> you start pulling other stuff out. And then a good editor like Ali Greer or Frankie Gutman or, you know, they'll say, 
I don't think you need this. I get it from here to here, you know, and that that's what's so helpful, you know, and then you look back on it and you go, yeah, look at all this stuff we had before. Why did we? But the trick is that I learned is that in seasons one and two, we would shoot a lot of that stuff. And that is really hard on your actors and your crew because a scene needs to be about one thing. It can't be about five things. And sometimes as writers, especially in TV, you want to you know, people don't want to make decisions. So you, you end up writing five things and then you go, well, we'll pick one, what it's about in the edit and we'll just see how this all feels. And I, that's terrible to do to actors, you know, that's just because they, you don't know what you're playing. And I kind of, we didn't do that season one as much, but season two, I think, cause we were writing, Alec Berg and I were writing that season on set and we were kind of hurried, you know, we did that. I've gotten better, I think, and be more mindful of like a scene needs to be about one thing and just bring it down to its essence and not be labor stuff. Well, in terms of creating like the right atmosphere for the actors, another thing I really love about this show is, you know, obviously your lead actors are great and a lot of the character actors you bring in are great. But this this show, I feel like just down to the day players, down to people who have a few lines, um, everybody's so well cast and so good. And so I have two questions for you about that. I mean, one is just in terms of finding people to play those small parts, like somebody like, for example, you know, the the waitress at Dave and Buster's or something, somebody who maybe has like one line, but it's kind of an important moment. Um, in terms of casting someone like that, I mean, what kind of audition process do you have for the actors? I mean, well, it's Sherry Thomas is our casting director and she deserves a majority of the credit. She just has a great eye and she gets the tone of the show from the get go. You know, it was, don't, you know, telling people don't play it for comedy, you know, don't play this funny, you know, just play this straight. And then she'll find these amazing people, you know, and a lot of people hadn't played comedy before, you know, Charles Parnell came in and was like, I've never really done a comedy before. So I'm a little, and I'm like, don't think of it as comedy, just say it straight, you know, and, and then he's really funny. But yeah, that actress who played the Dave and Buster's waitress, that's a really tough role, you know, and she's a day player and has to come in and nail this role and it's a big one and she's at the end of it and if she blows it, then the whole, you know, and so it's, it's kind of nerve wracking and ice in her veins, man. She just nailed it every take. When you're dealing with actors like that, I mean, it sounds like she came in and like you say, had ice in her veins, but I mean, to me, it seems like, you know, I'm not an actor, I've never acted, but it seems like it would be a very scary situation to come on to a show that's been on for several seasons and everyone knows each other. And it's sort of, you know, like you're the, you're the new person who has to come in and do one, you know, one day of work. And like you say, it, there could, it could be something like that one or where there's all this other pressure on you that screwed up. I mean, how do you make those people feel comfortable and, you know, create an environment where they feel safe? Well, you always just want people to know, I think the biggest thing with actors, they just don't want to look like idiots, you know? And sometimes, you know, you'll have an actor that comes in and they're in their head and they're freaked out and I've been there. So it's just saying like, you, you, you can't fuck up. Like you can't fuck this up. You know, I mean it, you know, we're just going to take this and we're going to do a take and go, Hey, that had some interesting stuff in it. And we're just going to keep honing it and honing it and it's going to be fine. And, and then sometimes you take a break, you know? and say, well, let's just go over and hang out for a bit and chat, you know? But the biggest thing you do for an actor is just be encouraging and, and let them do their thing and then kind of guide them, you know? And just, and say, 
the best thing you could say to them is we've got it. Now let's try some other stuff. Like I've got it. And you can just see them relax. And then always after that take, they nail it. Yeah. Do you ever say you've got it when you don't really have it? Just yeah. to loosen that up. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll be like, dude, we got it. And then they go, oh. And then they just, anyway, I just want to do a couple more just to try stuff. But we got it. And then that's the one where it's like, boom. What, what freezes you up as an actor is just that feeling of like, I'm embarrassing myself and I'm fucking up. And I'm not prepared. I'm not giving them what they want. And you get in your head and you, it's, you, know, you start panicking. And so I, when I see that with an actor, I always try to it, it calm them down. And also, I think the other thing is, is I, I have a very clear idea what I want. So I think that's helpful. I, I think it's really hard as an actor when the director doesn't know what they want. And so it's like you're just kind of presenting ideas to them and they're going, not that, not that. That, that to me is not really directing. I don't, I don't know what that is. I get frustrated with directors like that as an actor. So for me, it's, I always wanted to be like very clear with what I wanted and then we're working together to get there and just being like a cheerleader and a good audience, you know? Like, so if someone does something funny, I genuinely laugh. Or if it's emotional, oh my God, that was great, you know, or, and, I, and then the biggest thing too, I think with actors is just, you don't have to do a lot. And I, that's always a direction I'm constantly giving them is like, I think you could do less, do less, less. And I, I mean, that goes for me too, you know, <laughs> it says Duffy Boudreaux is my best friend and he's a co-writer on the show and EP and he, he came in and watched, um, he was on set every day and he was that person for me. Like I would do something and he would go, yeah, I see a lot of acting there, you know, <laughs> like, I think you do less, you know, and they just have to trust you. I think the, the hard thing is when you get actors that just, they've been fucked a lot of times and they've, they've, they've gotten to where they've gotten by trusting their own instincts and they've become kind of like their own thing, you know, like, and so they don't take direction very well. And I get that fear. You know, so sometimes when I see that, it's just like a thing of trust and I'll even say it. I'll be like, I know I need you to just trust me right now. And I understand if you don't, <laughs> I've been there, but I'm not one of those guys that's going to make you look like an idiot, but you got to trust me. And then most of the time it goes great. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, performance moments this season is the, uh, the the thing with Fred Armisen at the prison break. And um, what kinds of conversations did the two of you have about how he was going to play that i don't think we had any i just said just look scared i don't think we had any i go yeah your buddy i go your brother is in the roof and you don't want to be there you know so i think you're just kind of scared and then i think he's looking at me off camera like i was just making the face and then he just was kind of mimicking me and then he went off and started doing other stuff that was really funny we cut and then we just started bullshitting about something else you know it wasn't it's was just pretty He's just very open to whatever, you know? So he's like, yeah, just tell me what you want. I'm like, yeah, you're just, you're terrified, you know? And you're, you, you just, you kind of just know like this isn't gonna work. There's a part of you that just kind of knows like, you know what, there's an 80% chance this thing's gonna blow up in my hands. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a brilliant scene. I mean, the way, the whole way that scene is staged and cut is just both so hilarious and, frightening and exciting and uh, you know i'm curious in terms of assembling a sequence like that um you know how much of it is in the planning how much are you finding the timing in the editing room i mean talk a little bit about executing that sequence that thing was pretty much completely that's a set 
And in order to have the guy fall through the ceiling, it needed to be a set. And so I, I had the shots pretty much uh, figured out. I did a big overhead with Carl, DP, um, Eric Spoonover, the production designer, Wade Allen, stunt coordinator, and Gavin Kleintop, the first AD, just did a big overhead of it. And I just said, here's all our shots. And I just kind of explained what all the angles were and like what all the coverage was. And then, yeah, it was, it was pretty straightforward. And then it's just about what order you do it all in, you know? But like, I knew I wanted two sizes on me and then two sizes on the, the cops and then one size on Fred. And then you need like the two shot of the two people when they get shot, uh, Dan Backadall and the female uh, Fed, uh, federal agent. And then the big, the, the hardest shot in that se sequence was the, the dolly shot of Barry getting up and running across to the wall and, the, and timing all those. So that, that, that's a composite shot. So the bullet hits, we, so we shot, that's a stunt guy running because I uh, am prone to injury. <laughs> so that's a stunt guy getting up, running. So I can also look through the monitor. He gets up, hits the wall, cop comes in, the cop gets shot. And then it also, we have a guy, uh, you know, um, special effects guy, Ryan, behind the wall who knocks that California seal off the wall and it falls down. So that all has to be timed perfectly. So it's all the actors falling down like they got shot. And, and they're just reacting to Gavin Kleintop going, saying their name, you know? So it's, and action, it's like, you know, one, two, three, four, five. Like he's, you all have a number. That's what it was. And we're just rehearsing it over and over and over again. And then once we get it, great. Then we go back and then Ryan Riley of special effects lays in all the gunshots. And then we, one, two, three, go. And then you do the same move and all the gunshots go off. And we're like, all right, that's good. And then we lay it over it and it looks like, you know, bunch of gunshots are going off. So that, that was a hard one, but yeah, you know, it's just, you just, it's kind of like making videos when you're a kid, you know, you stand there, hit record, stop, you know, you edit in camera, hit record, <laughs> stop, run over, get this shot, hit record, stop, go, you know, so the sequence was largely kind of like in my head. And then, and you know, there was nothing we found on the day. It was all kind of just there. Well, and then in the next episode, you've got another one of my favorite scenes, which is the thing where all the guys get sucked into the sand pit. And I was wondering, uh, you know, if you could talk a little bit about how you did that, like, what is it, you know, how you execute that in terms of like the combination of actors and stunts and visual effects? Like, how is something like that? Because in my memory, it, it seems like it was all kind of one shot where the camera goes up and like down. it. It's two shots. And that was that was a very difficult thing to figure out. Yeah, Eric Schoonover made that brilliant set so that's a giant, that's the most expensive set we've ever had in the show. It was two stories high and then there's the sand and then there's a contraption underneath it, like a hourglass opens up and all those guys fall through it. And then there's stuntmen at the bottom of it, pulling those guys out. And so what we did was the set was such that you could take a wall out of it and we have a, a camera, we have a techno crane. And so we have the guys go under and then it's like, they go under and it's like, great, now everybody stop, don't move. They literally bolt the camera down. We set up cones so you can't walk across it and disturb the sand. And then they brought in a giant 
like a crane and brought in all the stuff and just started dumping sand into the hole, you know, to a certain place. And we're like, okay, that's good. And then we put this giant, this box in there with a hole in it. And then you dump more sand on that and it all looked very good. And then you put Michael Irby in the box, <laughs> the actor, and he pops his head out and then they just put sand around him. So he's just, he's kneeling in a box that has a hole in it. And, and then we get him in that place and the camera hasn't moved at all. So that took like an hour and then we got it all ready. And then it's like, okay, now you can unbolt the camera and they unhook the camera and everybody's just staying very quiet. And then it's like, all right, and action. And then you just hold on it and then slowly push in and reveal him. I, uh, Laura Hill, our visual effects supervisor and Wade Allen are the geniuses and Ryan Riley, our, our special effects guy. They're, they're the geniuses of making that. I can say like, here's what I want, but I don't know if it's doable. <laughs> And they go, well, well, we'll figure it out, you know? And they did it, I mean, unbelievable. And then the sound, the sound makes it too. And the sound's like really interesting of, you know, Matt and, and Shane and Sean and Elbo, Elmo and everybody, the sound mixers just did this unbelievable job in that sequence. That, that, that was a really nerve wracking day on set because no one knew if that would work because none of us had, you know, tried anything like that before. But I will say Michael Irby, that was his very, very last day of shooting. That was our last day of my, it was like, we did the sand thing with him going, help, help, you know, and sinking under. And then it was like, that's a series wrap on Michael Irby, <laughs> you know? And we all like, he was covered in sand and we were all hugging him and people were crying and stuff because he's just the best guy and we love that character and stuff. So, but, uh, so that's my, my main memory was being incredibly, incredibly anxious that it wasn't going to work, but you can't show that you're anxious. So I'm like making jokes and hanging out and pacing and eating donuts, <laughs> <laughs> just stress eating donuts, being like, did we get it? We didn't get it. Okay. And also we had COVID. So, you know, COVID was happening. So they would come in with the COVID tests and I had a false positive that day. So it was this whole thing of like, Bill might have to go home. And I was like, can I just test again, please? I feel fine, can I please test again? And they did a rapid test with me and it was fine. Then I did another PCR and it was fine. And I was just like, oh my God. Like it was just stress upon stress upon stress. And, and how about something like the scene in episode six where the truck drives into the house? Like, is that the kind of thing that you only, I don't know, is that the kind of thing that you only have one time to get it? I mean, I would think that's something that is pretty hard to, no, that's actually something you can do over and over again. That The set's on a gimbal. So the set is on a little, so that's a, the room is its own little set. And we put Sarah Goldberg in there and then we just, you know, tilt the room up and tilt it down. And then the, the and then they, Ryan Riley, special, special effects had a, um, this, this uh, wheel that just came in through the, the wall. We did, I'm learning with visual effects, a really good thing to do is don't animate the thing completely. Sometimes they're like, oh, we'll just anim animate the whole thing. And that's when it looks kind of like Roger Rabbit or something. It's, it's good to shoot the practical element of it and then let VFX sweeten it. It's kind of like what they did with the Jura like Jurassic Park dinosaurs. And I think that's why still that T-Rex sequence is so amazing because you're, you're seeing an actual thing and then VFX, the digital effects is like making it move, but 
you're looking at an actual thing. It's not completely animated. That was something I, Laura Hill and Justin Ball taught me while we were shooting this, where they were, I was like, they were like, no, you need an actual tire to come through and then we'll do stuff to it. But if you want it to look good, have a tire come through. And then we shot the truck pulling out on the actual location. We just set up a fake wall, put a hole in it, put the camera through the wall. And that's, um, and then we went to shoot that. And then the truck we had um, died. And there's a very, my rap gift from Aida Rogers, the producer, is me, her, the production, Eric, Gavin, and Wade Allen all laughing at this truck that's like, has smoke coming out of it. We're all just like, are you kidding? <laughs> this is the last shot we have to get today and the truck died. So uh, that's our uh, Kenny, our, our um, you know, Teamster, that's his truck, his personal truck that a stunt guy is driving. But yeah, that's a thing you can do. We we could do that all day, and and um, it wasn't that that was really fun. I never worked on a gimbal before, and that was really fun. And Sarah seemed to be having a ton of fun. She seemed to really be enjoying it. I don't know if she was, but she was. She seemed to be laughing a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I guess you know. I, I'm curious as you talk about the assembling these sequences and uh, you know f- figuring out what the shots are going to be and all of that. I mean, how much of that for you? is just purely kind of intuitive. Like, do you have intellectual strategies about this is how you construct a suspense sequence or this is how you make something funny or whatever? Or is it more just kind of, you just intuitively know what feels it's right? It's kind of intuitive. Um, it used to be a thing I thought I had to like figure it out more. It's kind of like I compare it to cooking a recipe where, you know, the first time you do it, you're following the directions. And it's so there's like, you're doing it, but there's this kind of rigidity to it, you know? But then once you do it enough, you get confident where you're like, I don't need to measure how much milk I put in this. I know I can eye it. I can do this. And actually, you know what? I might throw a little of this in there. I think that might taste nice. And you know what I mean? You're not having to look at the thing because you, you feel more confident. That said, I do things, I feel like this season was more intuitive on things. But there was, I think, a couple more things that didn't work because I was like, well, let me try them. And I think I was lucky enough to have HBO and a thing there to be like, yeah, try that. Oh, that didn't work. Oh yeah, you can go back and reshoot it, you know? (laughs) So I think when you're on a lower budget, you can't, you know, do that, you know, or, you know, so it was a nice thing to kind of know, okay, I can do that. And I'd I'd be interested in, in writing things where you keep it open, but kind of writing things a little bit more um, concrete in the visuals, you know, if that makes sense, where, I'm writing these these scripts, you know, very fast usually, and we're rewriting them, and it's it's a whole big machine doing a TV show, you know, and I and I always talk to my friends who are making features, and I I'm just very jealous, or I'm like, that's it, huh? Like you can just work on the script and really hone it and get it really solid, and and I you know, and thinking of like in my scripts, they don't really have a lot of visual stuff in it, you know. The way that you see it, you know, it'll be like Fuchs is playing with young Barry and then a wedding party comes by and it goes into, you know, and we just kind of describe it in the most basic detail instead of saying you hear a boom, you know, boom, boom, there's a throwing. What is that? We see something in the distance. It's getting closer, closer. What is that? You know what I mean? Like adding a thing so when you read it, you're getting the full experience. Like, I'd like to try that. <laughs> and, and and having the time to put the intuition in that. So maybe 
I can see if the ideas work on the, on, on the page, but I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I might try that and be like, oh, it's just the same shit. I have to go back and reshoot it. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. But it, yeah, this season was much more intuitive of how to shoot things. You know, much more intuitive is the short answer. Well, now that you're done with the show, uh, you know, do you think you might write and direct a movie and try to have that experience that you're Oh, yeah, that's what I would love to be able to do. Yeah, is direct a movie and and write a move write and direct a movie and and I've been working on some things. I mean, that's been the best the best thing about Barry was I got to really I feel like find some sense of a style d- directing while I did the show and I, I think you can kind of see from season 1 to the last season I'm kind of figuring it out and trying things, you know. And, and and the nice thing about it is that it did feel intuitive. I wasn't like watching a lot of movies and going, oh, you know, it's like this, you know, to get inspired. It was more being with the characters in the moment and the, the place and just saying, I feel like this feels right, you know, and trusting that, you know. And also having a team of people around me who saw it too, you know, and understood it and were really excited by it. And that gives you confidence. Because the hardest thing is directing, for me, is you talk to a room of people and you're trying to maintain your confidence while they all look at you like you're crazy. So like that transition shot in episode two of the this wedding party going into another, like I remember drawing an overhead of that and, and how we would do it where I'm like, we'll have a wall and then we'll bring that wall out to the field and then we'll bring that wall over to a banquet hall and then that wall is the thing we'll do a a stitch there and I was explaining it and just the look on everyone's face was like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) and it took a while for everyone to kind of digest it you know you know it's hard not to get your cop like oh okay this is a dumb idea because I've also by the way I've pitched things to them that were undoable you know, like, and I had to figure that out on my own where everybody would go, okay, well, we'll, we'll try to figure this out, you know? And then two weeks go by and I'm driving into work and I call Aida and I go, you know, I don't think that sequence is going to work. I just don't think it's doable. And she's like, I just hear in her voice like, oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) But I've had, I couldn't do that season one. Do you know what I'm saying? Or even season two, I think they would have been like, no, you know, I don't think we have the money or the time for that. But I was very lucky that by the end of season four, we had enough, you know, HBO was just so like trusted us so much that I was able to have that freedom. So freedom and, and, and time, time is the biggest thing. Time to write, time to shoot. You know, I'm not saying you should take, I, we shoot pretty short days. I, I work really fast because of all the prep. I, I don't do a lot of takes. I don't, I don't really think that helps anything. I, I think if people are ready and you, you build it up, then it's like, it's happening. But I, I've talked to directors who do a ton of takes and as an actor, I've never felt like it helps me at all. If you have to do takes for technical stuff, I understand, but I used to have that thing in my 20s with the whole Kubrick thing was really romantic and cool. But then once you actually start doing this stuff, you're like, that's insane. <laughs> it's it that's completely pointless. <laughs> so yeah, I don't really understand it now. 
Well, it's a it's a great show, and I really feel like on this season it does have just such a strong directorial voice. And Thanks, I mean, man. right from the first from the first episode this season, I just sat back and relaxed because I just knew I was in good hands. And knowing that you knowing that you were going to be directing all of them, and seeing just what firm control you had over. I mean, it's funny when you talk about the things that don't work because none of that shows in the final product. Yeah, we cut it all. Yeah, that's the thing people. <laughs> and I think it's important to hear that because I remember reading about films in high school and reading about the movies and directors I loved and really being obsessed with it. And I would just go, man, it just seems like everything goes right. <laughs> you know? And it's like, once you start doing it and then you start working on those things, like, no, things go wrong constantly and ideas stink. You do, you, you always, everything, you go down an avenue that doesn't work and you're just not seeing it, you know, cause you're smart enough to cut it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I show the episode, the scripts to friends to be like, you know, does this seem right? Or, you know, or is this worth making, you know? And then, and that's the same thing. Are you, you know, were you entertained? Did you understand it? You know, just basic stuff. And then the same thing with the episodes, you know, I showed to Emma Berry, who's a writer on the show. She's amazing. The scene where Gene comes back and he has that dinner, he has that lunch with um, the head of the, 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 the executive where she's pitching the movie to him and he goes, you can't make this movie. So that scene initially was much longer and it was, a, we reshot the whole scene, but that scene initially was him saying that he was interested in the movie and he thought it was interesting and he liked it. And you're, and we as the audience are going, oh no, Kusuno is going to take down Barry. And then he goes, you can't make this movie. And she goes, wait, why? And it was like this rope-a-dope thing where he's like, I just wanted to get information about what you were doing, but now I have information. I'm going to bring you guys down. And Emma Barry rightfully was like, why would he do that? <laughs> and I go, well, you know, it kind of like, you know, this is where I get in trouble where I'm like, you know, the audience is going to think it's Barry's worst nightmare, you know, and then actually he and Barry want the same thing. Isn't that right? And she goes, but why would he go in with a plan to do that? Why wouldn't he just go in and say, you can't make the movie if he's actually changed, if he was on a kibbutz, wouldn't he just say, I don't want to do the movie. And I was like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, you're right. <laughs> and then I, we tried to fix it in the edit, and we went in the edit, and it was going to be one of those scenes where the whole thing was ADR'd, where it was just going to be on someone's face, and you hear Henry Winkler talking off camera, you know, really fast, like a, you know, like The Room or something, or Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. And I was like, well, this stinks. And then Aida Rogers, thankfully, came in and was like, do you want to reshoot this scene? And I was like, yes. And so we were done with reshoots already and we went back and we reshot that, I think at the beginning of April. So we just reshot that scene, you know? So that was, that's, you need that, you know, you need those people who are honest with you and say, yeah, man, I don't, why did you do that? Because I think, it, it, you know, I, I could see it's very easy for certain people to like not want people like calling them on their stuff. And it's like really helpful people like Emma or Duffy Boudreaux or any of these people who are just are going to be honest with you because it is hard the longer you do it. And if you have any success at it, you get a lot of yes, yes people. And, the, and that that's like really, that's not helpful for your, your stuff, the stuff you're making, you need people. And on the other side, it also doesn't help if you have people who are just, you know, you have to understand the good criticism to the bad criticism. I had learned that too, because sometimes people would criticize it and you go, okay, is that, helping the story or is that just what you would do 
and that's your ego being like, I just want my note heard, you know? So it's, it took me a while to figure out like Emma, Emma's note actually helped the story and it made sense. And she's always been good at that. She's a genius, Emma Berry. Yeah, I'm gonna show her all my stuff for the rest of my career. <laughs> Cause she's, she just has like that bullshit meter, you know? Yeah, well, it, it really came out great. And I mean, I've, I've seen everything except for the last episode and I can't wait to see that. And I've just, I'm just loving it. And I think it's been a great show and I've loved talking with you about it. So thanks yeah, so much. Yeah, sorry, for I feel like I talked your ear off. Sorry about that. No, it's great. Thank you.